all the way from Tampa, Florida via Skype. I call them the queen and king of erotica. They are sexy, a powerhouse duo who, wait, 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 let me run down the list. Award-winning porn stars, proprietors of a full-service adult entertainment company, sex educators, fetish trainers, creators of the fantasy flight parties. Did I get it all? Welcome Jasmine and King Noor of Jet Setting Jasmine. So let's get right into it. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. Great, great. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. I just want to say I'm so incredibly impressed with the both of you from a business perspective. You guys have such a successful business going, a black-owned adult entertainment company. Kudos. Kudos Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the company for a minute, um, just so our listeners get the gist of, of what your mission is. Uh, I mean, I consider you guys to be like a one-stop shop for everything, sensual and erotic and fitness. You pretty much have covered all the bases. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? So we like to think about ourselves from that perspective as well. I think the the best way to describe what King and I have been doing over the last couple of years is being on our own journey and taking everyone that is open and willing and interested to come along with us, with us. <laughs> so, you know, as we develop new things that we're interested in for ourselves personally and professionally, as we see gaps uh, in services, gaps in resources in our community, um, in our global community, and it's an interest to us, then we, you know, we, we go for it. So that's really, you know, we started in, in kind of our own, our own uh, little niche. And then as we've joined together, we haven't really let anything stop us. And that's kind of how you get a one-stop shop. That's awesome. And trust me, to my listening audience, you will not be disappointed. Please go to the website. It's www.jetsettingjasmine.com. They're on Instagram and on Facebook. They are dope, dope, dope. And did I mention that they were Black-owned? Anyway, let's talk a little bit about how you guys met. I've been watching you guys for a while, and I was curious, if are they a couple or business partners? So what's the story? So all good things um, start as friends. <laughs> right. Actually, we, we, didn't even, we didn't even start there. We made our connection on a radio show. Much like yours tonight, talking oh, about what? behind the scenes of porn. So you never know what kind of connections will happen with you and your guests, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, mister. I hope you hear that. <laughs> so I was um, interviewing interviewing King about his um, history in porn. And really, we were talking about kind of how does he establish or if he did establish relationships, how that could be challenging. And also, you know, what is the rest of the life of a porn star? What do they do when the cameras turn off? Do you, you know, read, go to school? What do you do? <laughs> so um, and, and through that conversation, what I, I learned so much about the industry, but even more so at the time, King was in the process or just finished completing building um, a freshwater well in Guinea-Bissau, Africa, oh, the school, cool. the medical yeah. center. Yeah. Um, and he did a music project where all the proceeds went to this town in Guinea-Bissau. So for me, you know, sadly to say, I was very, you know, very, I stereotype people in the industry. And like, you know, now I'm receiving the same kind of treatment, but yeah. you know. How's it feel now? 
Like it's it's cool. It's cool as long as I have an opportunity to shut people down like yeah. you did me. That's the best part. Yeah. I mean, when I went to when I went to the website and and saw that you have uh, not only a bachelor's but a master's and um, two two two, two yeah. masters. Right. Okay. Um, I was like, okay, you know, let me have a closer look. I didn't judge you. I mean, I think or you, King. I think that's a big problem in our community. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later about shame and stigma because you guys are clearly what you, what comes through to me is like love and respect and, and sensuality. And it's, it's, it's something that's missing, I think. And it's just so wonderful to see you guys be able to express that on camera and, and in pictures. So I'm glad you were able to break through. Yeah, it, it didn't take very long. It was that probably that 30 minute interview and uh, a picture. And I was like, sold. Um, <laughs> and I was doing at the time I was doing some parties, uh, pole parties and toy parties and really just on my own exploration of self and sexuality, sensuality. And we um, we met up in D.C. We decided to put our heads together and, and see what we can offer. That's what we decided to put together. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> we put all four of our heads together. And <laughs> listen, y'all, if y'all are listening, I would advise you, go to the website while you're listening to the show, okay? Yeah. You'll be very happy you did. One of the things that we identified, one of the first gaps that we identified is we were both doing parties and we knew that women were asking questions about men and answering those questions for themselves by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we do. I mean, we yeah. write articles about men and then we read them and then, you know, we tell them how they are because some woman has said it. So we wanted to bring a male voice to these um to these parties allow women to have an opportunity to communicate about sex and and all of their questions about men at least to one man um and so so we started with that and here we are about six years later changing lives yeah. so how does that work i mean what do women what, what's the takeaway when you have the parties and women are able to get some stuff out with with mm-hmm. king what's the outcome do you get feedback what are some of the testimonies to that Babies. Oh, okay. We definitely have kids scattered across the country that they they don't have our DNA that we know of. They might have taken some DNA home with them. I don't know. But we do have people who will hit us up and say, you know, just wanted to thank you for an amazing time and I'm pregnant or something like that. And then that's great. That's we'll be like, wait, wait, what? We didn't. Well, I don't. Oh, oh, okay. after you the party. But I think I think a lot of times for me, I, I think it's always funny that women seem to think all men like the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that was one of the questions that usually used to stand out all the time was just like, and and I get the same thing as when I when I work with with men's groups or my friends ask me questions. You know, it just seems that most people do not ask their lover anything. Uh, most people go to, I don't know, Facebook or an article or something instead of just turning over to the person that they care the most about and asking them what they like. Why do you think that is, though? Well, I, th- I think that, unfortunately, there's all these like social mores that, that tell us, you know, someone else, when you meet them, if your relationship is perfect or if that person is perfect for you, 
then they should just do everything you like without you having to tell them. If I ask you or anybody for that matter, do you like the same exact things that you liked five years ago in regards to food or fitness or sex? They're not, I mean, it's always going to be different, you know, so you change every day. So you should also be able to update same as you refresh your computer. You should be able to refresh your relationship just by letting someone know the new things that are on your mind and asking them the new things that are on theirs. I want to talk a little bit about that later as well. We're going to be asking you for some advice. But King, let me ask you, you started out your career in adult entertainment. You spent 12 years there. Is there like a specialty that the ladies can uh, can look forward to that you kind of crank it down? <laughs> I think... Um Erotic touch massages, the erotic touch massages that I do are very unique. Like I could teach some techniques, but I think that there's always a difference between someone's intention, someone's experience, and, you know, just some of us were put on earth to do certain things. And I think that that's something that, that I offer through my services that's very unique. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, You're selling yourself short. Yeah. Well. <laughs> because I think, I think, and um, one of the things about King's erotic touch massages and the way that you developed them was not from a place like, it's not about you. It's about how each client is different. And that's like, what I mean. Yeah. By, by my intention is to please. Okay. Well, I, so I, I think the on. best way to explain it is my the way I got the name King Noir. The my company before I started working with Jasmine, it was called Sensual Noir, and it's spelled with the E. People always try to tell me you're a guy. Why is it spelled with the E? Well, that's because my company was based on servicing, pleasing, and entertaining women, black uh -huh. women. That's why it's Noir. Noir means black in French. So I, I noticed from a lot of the parties that I was doing, you know, black and brown women were always just like, we have nowhere to go. Men can go to the strip club or men can go to the massage parlor and no one looks sideways at them. Or then I would also meet women who are like, you know, I've been to a male review or I want something that's not as flamboyant. So I would dance. And also when women would get private dances, you know, I would massage their arms or their shoulders and they would be like, you have a very nice touch. Do you also do massages? So I started learning massage techniques from different people, everything from like deep tissue to shiatsu to reiki, but also adding on the element of the entertainment, adding the element of role play, of BDSM, of sensory deprivation, just all kinds of different things to make it a completely unique experience. And personally, like, and I, and I tell this to Jasmine all the time, like my, my main, like what turns me on is pleasing others. Like, I have this dream that I'm like a sex toy in my head. <laughs> you know it's what I mean? not a dream. <laughs> so I have a girlfriend turning. Oh, she'll kill me. I have a girlfriend about to enter the fifth decade of her life. That nice. sounds like a nice birthday gift. It does. I, I make an amazing <laughs> gift. I could wrap all different parts of me in bows for her if you like. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I, I love it. Um, well, I love that. Um, let me ask you really quickly about the films royal fetish i talk about porn a lot i like porn i like i like girl on girl me too yeah it's usually the most romantic and intimate porn that you'll see well that's the thing i like girl on girl or 
give me a good crazy storyline, right? So when I went to your website, I was like, oh my God, they have it all. You know, you've nailed it. Interesting stories. It just looks good and clean and like clear. I don't know what if you guys are doing in an HD, but they're just beautiful. Thank you. And so I've been digging up like all these different porn sites like Pornhub and I'm not knocking anybody, but mm-hmm. I'm like, if you want to make a good investment and you're serious about it, you guys are doing great work. Tell me a little bit about why your films are different from what's out there. Well, I think the first aspect is something that you already had touched on in the beginning of the interview, that it's a black owned business. So first and foremost, we're going to make sure that black and brown people are represented in a beautiful way that's actually true to who we are as human beings. And that ranges, you know, from the kinky to the passionate, hardcore, you know, there's so many different aspects of our sexuality that usually is fetishized by someone else and not told in a, in an honest way. So that's kind of how we started because when we would do parties, people would say, well, why aren't you making films anymore? Or why aren't you doing web broadcasts anymore? I would love to see you guys. And it kind of led into our first few experimental scenes. But I used to be in school for cinematography. I always wanted to be a filmmaker. So it kind of all just led up to that on, on my side of things. And we don't always shoot in HD. We do shoot in 4K. We do shoot in HD. But some of our some of our scenes have been shot on a camera phone. Some of our scenes have been shot using, you know, real basic kind of cameras. But as long as it gives an honest feel of what that scene is, then it's gonna it's gonna really reflect whether it be a storyline, whether it be an emotion, whether it be just a fantasy that's being lived out on the screen. I'm curious to know what you think about the porn industry and how it's changed. And you're obviously you're filling um, a, a need. There's there's a gap there, right, for us to have like decent. I'm personally disappointed with what's out there. It feels, as you said, it, like we're being exploited in a lot of the films that are currently on there. And so what you bring is tasteful. There's a lot of affection. And I'm just curious to know. What do you think about the internet? Has the internet changed the industry? What do you see that, what are the differences that you see? So um, my take on that is, yeah, the internet has definitely changed, you know, where people are able to do amateur porn or, you know, I'll even say a positive thing for companies like us to exist. The internet has given, has allowed us to have this platform without having to, you know, having to bow down to some larger studio or, or having to necessarily compete with only a large studio. Um, so that, that has been a benefit that the internet has allowed a platform for all types of people to produce their own work. So you can type in anything in Pornhub and you'll, you'll find it. You know, it may not be shot the best or, or what have you, but everyone, um, if they have a desire to upload the way that they like to make love or like to have sex, it's possible. That um, being said, puts a lot of pressure on those larger companies to be able to survive. It's forcing them to have to produce a high quantity, lower quality to be able to match, you know, the amateur porn that that we're seeing. So I think um, that that is an issue. The other thing that we have to also remember is people, the amateur porn really, to a certain extent, imitates 
the larger companies, you know, so it does take a little, we have to be risk takers to say, we don't want to be portrayed that way anymore. Just because we have a camera and a, and Wi-Fi and a website to put our material on doesn't mean that we want to do more of the same. So I think we are going to see a shift as we start to see more independent uh, producers and directors, and we are starting to see more diverse um, companies. So a lot of women-owned corn companies, nice. you know, people of color, transgender, transgender people. We're nice. starting to see um, more diversity. So I think after you know, once people can kind of work out the kinks in terms of quality, we are going to have a really um, nice pool of material. I um I read an article recently, not to go off too off topic, but I read an article about the explosion of the porn industry in Africa due to the the high usage of the internet and smartphones. And so I'm kind of on the fence about it. I mean, in some ways, I think it's good if it can help people express themselves, but also reduce, you know, HIV and AIDS, help people have safer practices. I also, um, the writer noted that the, that there was an absence of fetish, which I thought was interesting, um, which shows that they still have, they still have a a little ways to go. What do you, what do you think about that, uh, King, having been to Africa and and done work there? Well, I think in regards to the industry going there, I think that it's great anytime that black folk own our own, uh, representations, no matter what it is. Uh, definitely I agree with you in the aspect of promoting more awareness in regards to HIV and AIDS, raising awareness that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality or transgender folk, you know, like I hope that that also is something that people start opening their minds to over there as well. Because I, and I think not even just within Africa, but within a lot of Islamic countries, there is a high, high rate of porn viewership and even consumption. But then at the same time, people have such a high level of shame for it. You know, like uh, on my Snapchat, I get people hitting me up in in Arabic all the time, you know, from 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 a list of different countries from, you know, from Morocco and Senegal and Egypt and countries across Africa to the Middle East. And they'll be like, they'll they'll follow me because they see I have an Arabic tattoo. So they get into conversations with me and then be like, oh, well, they might also know my music. So. It is very interesting because people will hit me up and say things like, I really like this porn performer or I really like this sexual act, but I feel really, really bad because I do. And I hope I don't go to hell because of it. Sexual suppression is something, huh? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that we see that over here in a different kind of way within the black community, just, just as you had touched on earlier. And it's even more so extreme throughout Africa because of the same colonizing mind state that happened over there. So there, there is this, there are definitely people trying to break free of that. So I hope that those are the people that are actually leading that movement over there instead of people who are just going to perpetuate some of the same ideas that are holding people back. Maybe you guys can branch out to the continent. Who knows? Would love there to. has been interest, so we're mm. hoping we're definitely hoping to do so. That'd be awesome, Jasmine. Um, let's talk about your your triple threat. 
If I haven't already mentioned that, she is a licensed clinical therapist, holds two masters. Um, she's also a fitness and sex expert, and she's also a mom. I think that was four. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. And the only reason why I teased you about the the second degree is because I'm still paying for that one. So. <laughs> 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 I'm still paying for my first. <laughs> right. Um, so for me, you know, my so my degrees are in sociology, social work, and gerontology. So I've been studying um, behave, you know, humans and human behavior, and how we age um, for many years. And my career went from um, working with children with autism to working as an activities coordinator in a nursing home. Um, so it's a pretty range from, you know, from, from children and, and child development all the way to aging and, and dying. Um, and that just kind of wanted, you know, seeing that scope of really the human life from, you know, beginning to end in my profession just drew me a little bit more into all aspects of human life. And I remember, um, in working in one of the particular senior facilities, uh, there was some conflict between the staff and allowing a um, a resident and his wife from closing the door and having some private time. So that was early in my career, and it's it stuck with me, and it still does now, which is why we're so passionate about intimacy and caregiving and intimacy post injury and illness. Um, so at that time, I was leading a project, and I, and I am still. I am still employed by a large government agency and um, have just continued my passion even in that work to make sure that uh, caregivers and people that may be living with an illness or living in a long-term care institution, that their intimate needs are still considered because, you know, when I think about being ill or or when I think about what my last days on earth may be and, and have the opportunity to know that these are my, you know, I'm coming to the end of my life. There's nothing more than I, that I would probably want than to be coddled with someone that I love, you know, um, there's nothing more than that I'm going to want besides some private time with the people that I care about. Our healthcare system is not set up to provide what people need. You know, when you think about lowering the light, in a hospital and providing candles instead of, or, you know, flameless candles because of safety first, right? Right. providing an environment that's relaxing versus one that's anxiety driven, you're going to get different outcomes in your patients. So I had an opportunity to test some of these things in some of the the workspaces that I worked in and really change um, some of the community and the culture around dignity Mm. in healthcare. And, you know, these are small, small changes, but, you know, I'm continuing to press on 15 years later in, in my career. So that that is kind of sums up the scope of um, my work in terms of healthcare and intimacy. Right now, uh, we are doing trainings to medical providers on how to have not just good bedside manner, but really initiate conversations related to the sex and intimacy and sexuality with their patients. Because like you mentioned before, or and we were talking about, it's hard for us to even talk to our partners. It's hard for us to talk to ourselves about 
you know, nuances with sexuality. So if no one initiates that conversation for you, you may go a long time being unsatisfied or a long time not not dealing with a sexual disorder or dis- dysfunction. And so we're working with providers to be able to initiate those conversations as a critical part of, you know, healthcare and health maintenance. How did you make the transition to Jet Setting Jasmine? So, um, and this will, this will kind of lead into that triple threat. I, it was um, my 30th or leading into my 30th birthday. And I, I don't know what that thing is that happens to us when we turn 30 or start approaching but um, I definitely felt like it was time for me. My my children were, you know, they were not grown per se, but they were old enough to do some things independently. So I was having a, a bit more free time. And I started to feel like I was that woman that was living for work and for my children's activities. I never wanted that. Like I, there are some people, like King said, people who are born to do certain things. I was not born to be a PTA mom or, you know, like I never wanted being a mom to be my sole identity. You're preaching to the choir. Yes. Okay, good. So you know, <laughs> and I know your listeners totally understand that. I'm sure they do. But it happens. It happens naturally. The next thing, you know, like one day you wake up and you're like, for the last couple of months, I've done nothing for myself. I don't even know what I like. I like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. (laughs) I was pretty, pretty sure that that wasn't true for me. It was just kind of putting myself to the in the back burner. And nothing is nothing's wrong with that. Nothing. You know, I don't have any shame or guilt or feel bad about taking care of my family and putting them first. Um, but I wasn't going to allow the rest of my years to, to not be balanced. So I just started to poke my nose and, you know, um, into things. I started watching more porn. I started to set time aside to masturbate. And I mean, it sounds, it may sound silly, but for women with children, it's like you lay, get the kids down and you have to actually carve out time to touch yourself. You have to plan everything when you have children. I've talked about that. And my first show, I mean, preaching to the choir. So, you know, through that, that self-exploration, I started to, I wanted to branch out a little bit. So I think for my 30th birthday party, I had someone come and do um, a really standard toy party. And, you know, we had fun and we had drinks and we learned about all the newest dildos and gadgets and everything that you could possibly stick up there and spit out. <laughs> what it came down to is my girlfriends and I who were ranging from about 25 to 35 at that time, we all felt so much the same. Like you're saying, preaching to the choir, we were having the same conversation about what was lacking in our sex life, um, what we didn't know, what we wanted to try we were sharing like, you know, like little girls like, oh, have you ever done anal? Have you ever done this? And I just realized that it wasn't just me. You know, these women needed a space, a non-judgmental space to be able to connect. Um, we also needed a lot of information. We didn't know what we were talking about in a lot of instances. <laughs> so, um, you know, that just led me to say, I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to try every possible thing um, that I, you know, that I have an interest in and I'm going to share it. And it started with, you know, a, a te- sending text messages like, Oh girl, I tried this. And then <laughs> she was like, you know, well, you got to tell KD cause you know, she's been interested in that. And so-and-so wants to know too. And then it led to 
a blog. I think I had like a, a, a small website first and, um, and then it just, you know, I just continue to graduate. So I, I even have new things that my friends are going to be like, Oh my God. <laughs> I, I love it. It sounds, you know, it's so interesting that I got the sim- similar situation happened to me, but mm-hmm. much later, but of course I had a second set of kids, you know, okay. And, you know, 10 years after my 30s. Oh, I, don't like yeah. to, I don't like to use numbers. So I completely understand what you're saying. And so at, at some point I said to myself, okay, you know, what's going on? You're, you're here, you're on the fourth floor. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be swinging from chandeliers and mm-hmm. it's not happening. Like what's, what? you know, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. And so I said, you know what? It's not going to show up at my door. You know, no magic pill, no genie's going to appear. And like suddenly I'm going to have this great sex life and have all these experiences. My girlfriend said I talk about death too much, but I just don't want to die not having some fun, like some real, some real fun. Anyway, continue. Well, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that we also realized in the parties, kind of going back to our early early days of the fantasy flight parties and getting together with, with friends that sound just like, just like you. There's like a room, 15 of you in a room. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of the things related to sex didn't always have to do with sex. It had to do with some other psychological hangups, you know, or insecurities, um, things, past things that have happened to us as children, as little girls, messages that we've been taught messages that have been shoved down our throat since we were little girls that, you know, at some point you, you come to a head with those messages and you have to decide whether you're going to believe them. If this is really all that's cracked up to being a woman or you're going to defy them. So, you know, I do take the therapeutic approach. We, we, We make it fun. We make it exciting. We make it dirty. We make it nasty, but all in all, we kind of come down to what's holding you back from being your authentic self. And a lot of times it's things that people have told us along the way that have damaged us. Um, and for those of us that are lucky, it's just, you know, postponed who we are. That's all. And so let's speak some of those messages so that people who don't know what some of those messages sound like, we can tell them, you know, keep your legs closed. Mm -hmm. Good girls don't, yeah, good girls don't don't do anything. Good girls are the most boring, sheltered, <laughs> deprived people ever. Like I don't want to be a good girl. <laughs> um, All so boys want to do is yeah, you know, have sex, right? Which is not it's not a bad thing. It's it's it's, it's really the message that we need to talk about is you know about people who don't respect other people. You know, we we have this like. All boys want to do is have sex. That's not a bad thing. But if all boys want to do is have sex, regardless of if the girl wants to have sex or not. Now, that's the problem. You know, Um, what are some other things like, you know, pretty girls act this way or, you know, classy women behave like this or no one is. They they hang marriage over you, too. Like no one's one's going to marry. No one's going to want to marry you if you do X, Y and Z. Yes. Or (laughs) having. Too many, too many partners means you're this. And then, you know, the hoe, the slut. The The hoe, exactly. And, you know, so those messages are, and I understand them. I I try to stay away from them as much as possible when I'm talking to my children or any young people, because I know how they, how they stick and how they damage. But I do understand that people's intention with these messages 
are to keep girls safe, you know, or, or to avoid you having uh, unwanted pregnancy or disease. And, and really what it, what I have learned through my own experience, parenting and being a mentor to young girls is if you tell them about unwanted pregnancies, the consequences of sex, the consequences of being in particular relationships, how to identify domestic violence, how to identify all of the things that are truly harmful to women and, and, and men too. They will steer clear of those things. But we're sending the wrong message. We're saying like, don't be yourself. It sucks to be a woman. Be more pleasing so that other people can want you. And that's not really what keeps us safe. What keeps us safe is saying, these are the dangers. This is how you identify them. And this is what you do if you find yourself in one of those situations, which none of those things correlate to me keeping my legs closed, wearing a dress and um, not masturbating. So that was Jet Setting Jasmine. Such an honor to have them. The conversation was so riveting, so compelling that we had to break it up into two parts. Sex on Sunday with Katie now has a two-parter. Anyway, tune in when I air the remainder of my interview with King Noor and Jet Setting Jasmine. It promises to get sexier, kinkier, you won't want to miss it. Thanks for joining me this week on Sex on Sunday with Katie. Check me out on Facebook and on social media. As usual, it's wonderful to have you and I'll see you next time. Bye.